0: Have you seen me dice bag? The Grognard Files Hello, my name is Dirt the Dice and this is the Grognard Files podcast where we talk bobbins about tabletop RPGs from back in the day and today. I come in life from my den here in the heart of North West of England and I'm completely and utterly surrounded by my stuff, new stuff that's been delivered from Santa's sack. I'm recording this on the day after Christmas Day 2021, or Boxing Day as we refer to it in the UK. Here on my right is the great library of RPGs and my grognard files. Here on my left is the ridiculous Homemade Shrine to the actor, Caroline Monroe. I'll, uh I'll just give it a tap. Ah yes, the Eternal Champion has appeared as herself in The Cellar Room. This year on the TV channel, Talking Pictures, she's been introducing classics from Hammer and others, providing some personal reflections on the production and the people who were involved in the films. Great to see her getting all nostalgic. And we're getting all nostalgic about 2021 in this podcast and awarding the Groggies, our annual awards to the gaming stuff that's caught our attention in 2021. In many ways, this year has been stranger than the strange year that went before it. In 2020, there was a certain comfort in the collective shared experience of Doom. But in 2021, it became more stratified and weird. We've all had to deal with the strange fallout of the pandemic, the loss of loved ones, helping those close to us deal with the anxiety of the situation and remembering to look after ourselves in the process. Playing games and connecting with friends online has continued to be my escape and creative nourishment. In the latter part of the year, playing face-to-face at conventions reminded me how energising the experience can be, and I'm now longing to return to it on a regular basis. I find that motivating and keeps me optimistic for the new year. In this episode includes me and resident rules lawyer Blythe discussing some of the highlights of 2021 and giving away prizes. One of the recipients of the special award last year was Paul Michener, the creator of Liminal RPG and landlord of the virtual pub, the Mitchester Arms. His role in creating a community of gamers who meet weekly in the pub has provided tremendous support for many during the current unpleasantness. We've invited him to provide his first, last and everything. He also brought along his uke to accompany this podcast. I'll be back at the end to say a quick adios, but until then, Ramblers let's get rambling Welcome to the room of roleplaying rambling We're back in the pub but a bit different this time we're not in the Lasegay in Manchester Due to storm Barra which is currently battering the country we've retreated to a bolt hole here in Bolton at the sweet Green tavern uh, so Hello, Blythe Hello, Dirk. We've been here for a long time, haven't we? We used to come here for, yes. for years, and it's not unchanged. Unlike a lot of places in Bolton, it's, it's from,
1: unchanged. It's still terrible. Yeah, yeah, but but that's all right. It always has been.
0: Yeah, because <laughs> the rest of uh, the rest of Bolton's gone downhill, but this was at the bottom of the hill to begin with. So. <laughs>
1: bottom of the hill to begin with, it you know, and it stayed there. But that's all right because we know what we're getting. No one, we? we know what we're getting. We know it's, what we're fine. getting it's fine. It's fine. Uh, no, Clint, no Clint
0: the dog's not around I've not seen Clint know, the dog I know yeah, Clint
1: the dog is. the dog
0: with no name that we call Clint mm. uh, he's not around hopefully might, might, might appear yeah there's a very noisy toilet door Door. so brace yourselves for yeah, that yeah there's no
1: juke. No jukebox it's very quiet isn't it
0: yeah but there, yeah. Th- there are some random uh, songs that come on every so often every so often
1: yeah they're occasionally
0: yeah, yeah so brace yourselves for that as well in the background you might suddenly hear smells like teen spirit or <laughs> Yeah. something burst up so try and concentrate on what we're saying and not trying to work out what's going on in the background <laughs> and there's a couple of old ladies battling about the prices at Lidl I think as we came in as well weren't there
1: well last time went to the bar they were arguing about whether you could have cocktails on draft right you know like a cocktail but, but like on draft so you don't mix it it's just ready
2: done one,
1: right. one of them insisted could She'd had some in Spain, in Benidorm. Yeah. The other one said, that's ridiculous. It's not a cocktail. If you're doing that, it's not a cocktail. That's just stupid. What? And I don't know where I stand on that. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a fan of cocktails, so I don't really care, but I don't know where I stand on it. It,
0: it is interesting,
1: is it? A pre-made cocktail. I've quite a bit to drink. I've had quite a bit of milk stout. And I think, I think I'm quite <laughs> fight. Well, are you whispering They're not going to come and fight? I do. I hear me. Well, I'd hear you, it's not very good. But they could <laughs> come start a fight.
0: You know, never know what never know They were nearly starting a fight with each other over the cocktails. No, the pre-mixed cocktail. Yeah. It is a great existential question, isn't it? When does well, a cocktail I, yeah, and I, become I, a cocktail? I, I think with a cocktail, to
1: be honest, I think mean, with a cocktail, you, you want you want the guy behind the bar or the girl behind the bar to make the cocktail, don't you? And that's kind of the, part of the thing, isn't it? Oh, know, the theater. part of the theatre part of the theatre of it yeah should do that shake whatever that thing did, he shake whatever that is yeah. do that do all that stuff it's very efficient to have it pre-done though isn't it it, it is but I don't I don't think it, I think it takes away some of the very very nature of the cocktail if you're doing that I think part of if you order a cocktail I think you expect the man behind the bar to make it there in front of you to do it that's part of it that's why they're so bumming expensive
0: yeah Do you think we should just go over and just add our weight to... No, he would probably punch us. (laughs)
1: It's the kind of
0: place it is. (laughs) So, we are uh, returning to this place, and we've been here before uh, at the end of the year, or start of the year, to review our year in gaming and uh, to award the Groggy Awards. Mm -hmm. It's that time of reflection at the end of the year where we... And look back at what we've done and uh, comment on it. Are you feeling festive this year? I never feel festive, as you know. I don't like Christmas. At the start of the year, it was all very much, uh, oh, let's see the back of uh, 2020. Terrible 2020. Yes. A new life beginning. Yeah. 20, And it was more of the same. In fact, a few days in, the, the uh, capital was stormed in America. It seemed like yeah. the end of days, didn't yeah. it? So... You know, very soon we're getting used to this. The new normal is disaster and catastrophe. (laughs) Disaster and catastrophe. Yeah. (laughs) One nightmare after another. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I think uh, you know it feels much of a muchness, but it it seems soon to be coming to the end of the year. I know that time is a physical thing, but is it? it, Well, you know, it it is a physical physical thing. Well, you know, it's like a... We're
1: we physical things passing through time
0: or oh, time's passing through us. Yeah, but Time might not be a physical it's thing. It's described by physics, though, isn't it? Physics determines
1: it. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Okay. Objects care, but that, that doesn't mean time's a physical thing.
0: Well... Is this is what you wanted
1: from this podcast. <laughs> well, i just going to give some awards it, afterwards to role-playing isn't games. The,
0: isn't the Earth spinning on its axis a physical entity? Yeah. I mean, is that what determines time?
1: Are you, are you thinking? Are you thinking that, like in Superman, you could you could turn time back if you could spin the world backwards? Like in <laughs> Superman, one way he does that. <laughs> it's the silliest thing I've ever seen. He <laughs> spins the globe backwards and time goes backwards. We wouldn't go backwards, would it? We wouldn't. Is
0: that your position? How will we know? How will we know?
1: Fake news.
0: Fake news. How would we know?
1: (laughs) Come on, Superman. You can do better than that.
0: (laughs) Well, just wait until that San Andreas fault is, is going and we're relying on Was it to, I don't know which, one. It's is it Superman 3 Superman 1 yeah. is it Superman yeah. 1 is
1: it yeah he turns back time and, yeah as as like Cher wanted to do if <laughs> you could turn back time well Superman
0: can it, yeah but well, we're going to turn back time see what I did there <laughs> I'm going to dumb my leotard and put my underpants on the outside of my <laughs> pants and turn the physical S- globe S- on a battleship
2: <laughs>
1: I think <laughs> people are switching off in the droves now what's what he what's he gonna do <laughs> God, job it's a podcast you can't see anything
0: and we'll turn back time and uh, review the year and look back on the year so at this point I always look at the numbers let's have a look at the you numbers you do like the
1: numbers don't you you surprise me with this because you're very hand wavy as a games master, but you do like your numbers, don't
0: you? And numbers, yeah. You I do. Tra- try and keep an account of what mm. we've been playing and how long we've been playing it. So um it I feel again, this is whether it's physical or transcendental.
2: Mm.
0: I feel like I've played less this year than the previous year. Yeah. Yeah. But it turns out it's about the same. About the same two hundred and twenty five hours.
1: Yeah, you've probably got to factor in... It was a bit of a lean period in August, wasn't there? I think it was summer, where people started doing things again and some of the gaming stopped. But then we've had conventions, haven't we? Yeah. had Grogmeet, we've had Albert, which bumps bumps it up a bit because you're playing all day, aren't you? you have been two games at Albert, you're playing like four at Grogmeet. You include goal play. So that probably offsets it a little bit. Yeah. Bolsters it a little bit this year.
0: There was that feeling, wasn't it, in July, the world waking up and yeah, people yeah. pointing towards other commitments, yeah. which meant that online play diminished. But you're right, we started yeah. doing some in-life play, face-to-face mm. play. Um,
1: quite, quite funny, though, I think, over summer where people, people sort of said, oh, well, you know, the world's waking up again. We'll, we'll do other things. And then everyone sort of thought, or we certainly thought, oh, I just don't want to do other things. I don't really have any other things to do, do I? Let's do some gaming. I remember a kind of weird panicky moment in July and August where I don't think I played a game for two weeks and I got a bit twitchy and then played some games and, and, and almost everyone felt the same. We all thought, hey, the world's opening up. Let's go out there into the real world and enjoy the real world, which we've been denied for so long. But what we really mean is we want to just carry on gaming on the screen but with the option of going outside if we want to. But we're not going to take that option. We're just going to
0: carry on gaming. And that's what we did. Yeah. And what is different this year is um, last year we did 35 different systems, 35 different games. And I think consciously this year we deliberately took the view that we were yeah. going to do fewer game systems, but still 27 different systems, which is <laughs> it's
1: quite, quite a lot, lot isn't it's it? Quite a lot, yeah. 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 But, but, it, but, it's, but it's less, isn't it? And
0: it is less, it is less. What was it the year before?
1: Um, it was uh, 35. Yeah. I found myself kind of zeroing in on certain systems and certain games and thinking, these are the systems for me five or six games that I could name you that I keep going back to you know
0: yeah because that's the other thing that I, when I look at this list it comes out to me is that there's very few games that we haven't played before in previous years Yeah. so what we've done is gone back to some of the games that we've played before and played more of them rather than going to the shelf and saying let's pick off a and new it's in, one uh,
1: yeah and, and interesting isn't it how high I, I ran this year and I never thought I'd run it I ran 7th C I ran 7th C
0: yeah, uh, f- yeah. after
1: years of looking at that rule book and thinking how hey, does this work I'm not okay. quite sure I ran 7th C as yeah. one of the one shot and it was surprisingly it went very well I thought it went very well it went better than I imagined it would because it is a peculiar system um, but whilst it went very well there was a sense in which I thought, do I want to run more of that? Because it still felt a bit bumpy. And I knew that if I ran it again and again, I'd have to do another two or three sessions that were like bumpy sessions. And I'm not sure I could be bothered. Yes. I'm not sure I had the energy to, to cope with it. I could default back to something I know.
0: Yeah. Know. But it might be something that you do come back to at yeah. a later day. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. having done it, it was good, wasn't it? It, it did. did
1: surprise me how, how well it, it ran. Um, when it, because they say it's a very odd, very odd system.
0: But it does support that swashbuckling style, doesn't yeah. it? And the setting's good yeah. as well, isn't yeah, it? it? It does. Is good. Let's put a, a line in the sand now and put a marker down to say we haven't done a Savage Worlds podcast, and people have said you've talked yeah. about it. Yeah. yeah, we. <laughs>
1: We play loads of it, and we love it, and we totally never yeah. do a
0: podcast on it, no. So past three years, it's been our go-to system, and we haven't yeah, done yeah. a podcast dedicated to it. Yeah. So we'll do that at some point next yeah. year, so that's, yeah, yeah. That, that's one thing. Let's have a look at the awards, and okay. I've got the Spurious Golden Envelope. I get <laughs> these out every year. And the first award is, of course, the Messianic Megalomaniac Award. The Messianic Megalomaniac Award for GM and GMing. So uh, it's that's... almost. I mean, it's kind of like a megalomaniac could make
1: this the first award. Yes, would. wouldn't it?
0: So, so what's your uh, nomination for the Messianic Megalomaniac? My nomination is you,
1: of course. Yeah, I'm not. Pers- you don't have to. Nominate yeah, but I have to because you you like GMing. You, see, I'm I'm fifty fifty. I do like playing and I like Jamie I feel I feel odd and peculiar if I'm not planning a game to run so I always like to have something there that I'm running or planning to run so one shot a con game or running a few sessions online but I think you you do like running if, if the RPG doctor sat you down and said I'm sorry Dirk you can never play a game again because it will kill you you wouldn't give a damn you'd be quite happy running games you don't, you know, you you are very much a GM. I'm fifty-fifty, but you you're, I'd say ninety percent GM. Yeah. You I, like running, and therefore you are a megalomaniac. <laughs> that's
0: that's but, why. By nature. <laughs> yeah, by your nature. I don't know whether that's the spirit of uh, this this award, but I'll take it because you know this will be yeah. the uh, second year running that I've uh, I've got it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Spoken like a true megalomaniac. Is there anyone you'd like to thank?
0: <laughs> or is it all down to you? Of course it's all down to me. <laughs> I, I suppose what I'm increasingly aware of, and I have been since coming back uh, to gaming, are my shortcomings as a games master. Mm-hmm. And I do have that kind of view that I need to stretch myself. And I do think in some places, I have done this year, mm-hmm. I have uh, deliberately uh, stretched myself with uh, we have started playing Children of Fear yeah. called Cthulhu uh, campaign and when I saw that it was quite a daunting uh, prospect to uh, do it because there's a lot of background material to it and my instinct when I get something is to kind of cut to the action yeah. and I think I've said to you that I've deliberately taken a step back with this and tried to Do two things. First thing is let the players just find their way through it and not be over-concerned with forcing events to push things along. And the second thing is actually to make the rules work because I think during Two-Headed Serpent, I probably just hand-waved some of those uh, 7th edition rules. But this time I've been using them a bit more and um, being a bit more precise with them. Because that, that, that is one of my shortcomings, I think, is precision when it comes to rules. I do like
1: 7th edition. I've run a lot of 7th edition this year. Yeah. And a lot of Cthulhu Dark Ages. And the levels of success thing is an interesting mechanic because it gives you some options. And also the looks, the look, and also the fight back and dodge thing yeah. is yeah. interesting. You've got to be kind of careful because you've got to make people decide before they roll what they're going to do. Yeah. Um, but it does make it interesting as a game. Yeah. When I've run Cthulhu Dark Age, the fight back and dodge chart option for the players is like, mm, okay, well, you can fight back. That has its benefits, but you can dodge, and that has its benefits as well. And they do kind of... It, it doesn't seem... On the page, like a lot of things, isn't it? And we might get back to this with other games. But on the page, those 7th edition tweaks don't seem like a big deal. But in play... I do think they transform the game yeah in quite exciting ways
0: they definitely do and I think last year we talked about how the two-headed serpent uh, conclusion to that um, scenario mm-hmm. was enhanced by the uh, rules and how the mechanics uh, transform that and I think it just gives you enough it gives you enough that you can allow the uh, a story to unfold but also allow the dice to tell a different story and determine that. Yeah. So I suppose what I'm doing here, by is passing on a, a compliment to you in that I do think because you are more precise about the rules, that by symbiosis, by my association, you push me into looking at rules a bit more carefully and seeing how they can enhance again. Because, you know, in that kind of triangle that you've got of role playing games mm. I tend to lean towards the corner that says playing I okay. get delight in the idea of just getting people together and playing a game, that is what the, it, it means the most to me whereas I think you probably go further over into the game corner
1: Well yeah, I suppose the reason that I get a reputation as a rules lawyer is I, I do think the rules are it. Are interesting and can sometimes fuel the game. So, my game of a good, really good example of this is my game of Cthulhu Dark Ages, a Play. Yeah. Where in the end, um, one player, Neil, Neil's player, lost, failed his sanity role, and thought that the villain, uh, he, the, he rolled on the table and he thought that the villain was his long-lost dead brother. So he started to kind of try and persuade the villain and uh, defend the villain. Another player lost her sanity role, failed her sanity role, and and, and rolled on the table. And her role came up with that she just attacked anything and everything for so many rounds. And she ended up killing the villain. But then she turned on Neil's character, and Neil's character... And they were fighting each other and that whole situation without going into too much detail but that whole situation was generated by the rules it was generated by tables and rules and that narrative was really interesting how it played out and how the players grabbed hold of what they rolled on a table and thought so that the the person who who decided to attack everything she fought back every time yeah. ended up killing Neil's character everyone it was a Total particle, TPK at the end of it. But she said, oh, well, I'm going to fight back because my sanity is I'm just attacking everything. She yeah. could have dodged, and Neil's character wouldn't have died. But she yeah. didn't. She played the part. And that, that role-play experience came out of the rules. It came yeah. out of the tables and the failure of this and the sanity roles and that kind of thing.
0: This time last year, you said you'd had enough of... I know, cold, I know. ...Cold Cthulhu. I know. You said... I'm very fickle, aren't I? <laughs> yeah, but the other thing that changed was you actually got a copy of the rules, mm. and previously you were yeah just basing it on what was told or you know your experience yeah. of play. Yeah, you now had an opportunity of uh, GMing it, yeah. and you brought that to the games that you GM and, and play. And that's always
1: it. That's always an interesting thing, isn't it? With your if you're playing a game, there's a tendency to think you don't need the rules, but I think you do. I think you do. We've been playing Mutant Year Zero and I bought the Mutant Year Zero rules and I've got them and that yeah. informs the way I play it because I've read the rules and I understand the rules and how they work. As a player you, can't, you need the rule book as well. Get the rule book as a player. Yeah. That's my advice to players. Get the rule book. I'm as guilty of as anybody as a games master you tend to think don't worry you don't need the rules. I think you do. Yeah, I think as a player you do need to read the rules. And for Christmas I bought myself the 7th edition rules and I, I just loved it, I thought these are great. Yeah. But as you say, it was reading the rules. Prior to that, I was just going off what I was told. But reading the rules, I thought this is, this is fantastic actually. This is really a real good interpretation of basic roleplay. They've tweaked it and those tweaks really work. Yeah. You
0: know. So you do need to read them as a player. So what I'm saying is that I might be the, you know, obsessive, megalomaniac, messianic figure as against Master, but that's only possible because you are the consummate player, <laughs> and by symbiosis, working together, like some weird uh, Jerry Cornelius hybrid,
1: <laughs> the eternal champion of role playing <laughs> games.
0: It works, I' not Do we have to share the award then? Uh, well, we, let's Do see you who I'm nominating, yet. Yeah. Oh, go on. Are you yeah, nominating yourself? No, I'm not nominating. I'm, I'm going to nominate um, the White Hounds campaign. Oh, OK. And there will be a number of people who are listening to this yeah. who will have heard of the White Hounds hmm. campaign and they would have participated in it hmm. because this is a project by uh, Clarkie, Andrew Clark, Kiha. Uh, people will know him on uh, Twitter. Uh, And other places. He was uh, formerly the host of Dissecting World podcast. And he had this project where he post-apocalyptic Tenerife. Yeah. He imposed a hex map over Tenerife and said that it had been subject to a disaster. And he's had several groups of players. I think there's at least... Five groups mm. of players that, throughout the year, in uh, groups of uh, six, so six players, and he's dropped them on a hex on that Tenerife map, and together they have populated the hex that they're on and the surrounding uh, environment and who the neighbours are using uh, war game uh, techniques and. He's done that throughout the year, and I participated in one of those. And for one thing, so he gets he gets points because what an amazing project to put nearly thirty people throughout the year through this uh, this experience. And the other thing is is that the world building that first session zero is like nothing else that I've experienced. So we went around the table and uh, in the virtual table, I should say, and everybody had to contribute their ideas of what this civilization was, so this tribe was. So there was 18 in our tribe, and we represented uh, six people. We were based on a golf course <laughs> in uh, Tenerife, and um, we were next to the Siam Water Park, and so. Uh, and we had some goat herders on one side and on the other side there was a group of Vikings because in Tenerife there's a novelty Viking galleon and this group (laughs) (laughs) set up was like Vikings it had a combination of being incredibly realistic and precise so Clarkey will tell you what a specific gun does and what the ammunition is And what the title of the gun is, and uh, the weight of it, and the all the stuff that just has no interest to me whatsoever. (laughs) But somehow this combination of being incredibly precise and also extraordinarily eccentric was great. We played this um, group that believed in this golf course that believed that rapture was going to come. And if only we could recover these certain objects, we had this thing called the Kundal, and the Kundal was telling us it would light up every so often and tell us these things that we had to go out and get. So things like um, uh, a Christopher Columbus statue, a, a tinfoil hat, um, and we thought we were the 1st Battalion, and I believed, I had a copy of uh, Allen Ginsberg Howell, mm. and I believed that was magic, but I wasn't. Yeah, you know, it was just every time I encountered somebody, I would strip naked. What's that, real life? Yeah, <laughs> to be fair. strip naked and start reciting stuff from Howell.
2: <laughs>
0: it was an extraordinary experience to be part of that mm. that collective experience. so are you Are you nominating him for megalomania? I'm not. I'm not because what a bold and ambitious thing! Does it appeal to you doing something like that? It appeals to me, yeah. And I have met Andrew, and I
1: think he absolutely is a megalomaniac. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> you could give him that award. It's very bad. And he won't object, will Because he? he's a megalomaniac. Whoever wins this award never objects because no. they're a megalomaniac. So they think it's their right. <laughs>
0: okay, let's uh, open up the uh, envelope.
1: Apparently, open up the envelope.
0: And it's uh, Andrew Clark for the White Hounds campaign. Well, well done, Andrew. Well done, well done. The next one up is the Olive Kinnisburg Players Playing, Players and play. We never really settled on a title for no. this one. but really. oh,
1: what it actually means. <laughs> I've lost, I've lost, I don't know what it means. We've lost track. Who's it for? It's five years, five
0: yeah. times we've done this. Yeah, it? that's nonsense. It is nonsense. I think it's just stuff we've enjoyed playing. Okay. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> is it? Yeah. Right, <laughs> okay. Go on, what, what, what are you nominating?
1: Of all the games I've played this year, the one I've enjoyed the most, I would say Vaeson. Vaeson, Veeson. I ran it earlier in the year. I ran about six sessions of it, and I ran it at Elbow as well and I do I, I really enjoy it I think it's a really good game um, as people know I'm a big fan of the free league system I think it's the simpler end of free league which is the year zero engine simpler end of it which I like quite like I'm not sure I'm entirely convinced when year zero gets complicated it seems to defeat the object a bit so the great thing about it is it's simple why are you complicating it but anyway Version is a bit like Tales from the Loop simpler end of it Uh, very very atmospheric great monsters great kind of atmosphere to it Um, and also interestingly um, it has a structure to it as a game so it has a structure in terms of you know you get invited to solve a mystery you live in this castle invited to solve a mystery you can prepare for the mystery try and get some extra dice with a bit of preparation. Then you go on a journey and in the journey you can do things. You know, you journey to the location where the mystery is and during the journey you can do certain things to help yourself and then you know that kind of thing. Um, and then when you get back you get experience points and you build bits onto your castle don't you? So as players you you could then you have this castle uh, where you, you're based and at the end of each adventure you get experience points. And you can add things to your castle like a, a chapel to help your sanity or an armory or a garden. All, all sorts of things really. And I really, really enjoyed running it. I thought it was really easy to run. Just like falling off a log. So easy to run. And everyone seemed to enjoy it and everyone seemed to latch onto to it. Yeah. It just captures a certain atmosphere and flavour of game. And that kind of underlying structure... Helps it kind of, you know, it's not restrictive as a structure, it's still a role playing game, but it helps it kind of move along, yeah, and gives people quite a clear focus on what they're supposed to do.
0: It works really well for Vason, and we could really felt like you were part of something, Mm. and that you were, even in this fantastical world, you were living, breathing um, characters, and I suppose that. And the essence of that is in Mutant Year Zero as well isn't it so the idea that you're creating an arc that yeah. you have this yeah, structure yeah. built within Mutant Year Zero
2: yeah.
0: and that is the thing that's really taken off with Mutant Year Zero with that group that we played on a Saturday yeah, and played like all that, things. Yeah. you know um, building up the arc being um, characters that are knitted into the world however I've made the mistake, unlike you with Asin, because I think you were right, with Asin to just let it flow, let it organically grow, have episodic uh, adventures. I used one of the campaigns that Free League uh, produced called Grey Death. And with Grey Death, you have actually got a plot that runs through it. And you follow the plot, and there's a series of events, and it it has enormous significance on the zone and your world within it but it will wo- it works counterintuitively to how the game works yes. so it works in yeah. the same way as basin where really what you really need is that structure that you actually should be going out to the zone returning to the arc yeah and you're, and you're building that up and building yeah. up the the because what you had to do with this, with this, is to go to various points in the campaign for it to work. And yeah. it, where people were having, where people have been having the real fun, is doing the bits that you did in Vason.
1: Yeah, and that's that. The interesting thing about Vason is it, it is very kind of push. I felt it pushed back on the players to, to make some decisions about things it, it's very much you know there was a great bit where every the beginning of every session it was like right well before this adventure starts you've got some experience points so you can you can buy something essentially use the points to buy something for your castle and there was a good 20 minute half an hour discussion about what to buy should we buy this we could buy that we could buy this and that or we could just buy this we could get a garden we could get employ some staff to do this and as a games master that was great because you could sit back and go look at them they're just having fun discussing how they're going to yeah. develop this castle and that was that's great it's kind of quite player focused in a way and as yeah. a games master you felt like you don't have to do that much you've got a scenario and all you've got to do is like just nudge players a little bit as they go through this scenario yeah. and also the system great because it's very simple and there was a scene I think where you decided to drive a coach and horses through some uh, weird kind of Christian fundamentalists who were creating a problem. And it was just like one role and it was quite dramatic and cinematic you know, yes. and kind of thing. Yeah. You know, and it is a really, really good system, but but a great a great game. And I think as Chris, Chris Sharp said, he enjoyed that idea that the monsters are Sometimes they're monsters in the traditional sense that you have to defeat them or banish them because they're quite bad, but not always. Sometimes maybe you have to negotiate with them. So I think in one the first adventure you met trolls, and the trolls of Scandinavian mythology look like people. They they pass yeah. as people, um, and they weren't the villains at all. Yeah. There were these Christian fundamentalists who were the villain. The people were the villains, not yeah. the trolls in the slightest. And you had to kind of deal with them in a different way. I think Mark said something about... It reminded him of the first time he played Cthulhu where he didn't know all the mythos. He didn't yeah. know all them, So you don't quite know what you're dealing with. Yeah. And that's part of it as well, you know. It is, it is a fabulous, fabulous game. Really enjoyed running it and enjoyed playing it. Run running it at Obear as well, which was great. You know, around the table, it, it just works really well. Yeah. And those character templates are great because people really get into the kind of character they play, yeah.
0: yeah and I think if I was running Mutant Year Zero again I would play it like you were doing this because you know th- these long periods in the uh, campaign where you know for the Great Death campaign where you're outside of the arc mm. and travelling and yeah. doing long journeys and going really overstretching the way where you can go to i mean you're giving a device this uh, rhino drone which allows you to move through the zone quicker but somehow you lose some of it because you, the, the yeah. fun is that returning back and that
1: has been yeah you're right and that has been the fun in the, those saturday morning games of mutant year zero of going back to the people have been, have been quite engaged with the politics of the arc, who's in charge of this, who's in charge of that. Yeah. To the point where one one significant embassy was murdered. Yeah. By dunno who did it. I don't, I don't know. Who which, did it it wouldn't don't... have been a player character, obviously. Or a couple of player characters. Conspiring together. Conspiring together privately to murder someone. It wouldn't have been that. It would have been those rabbits, those mutant rabbits <laughs> yeah. who were blamed for it, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well that that's the fun, like you say it's it's dead simple. You go out, you do episodic adventures, but built around it are these extra structural things, part of the game, these structures that make it more interesting. Yeah, you know, yeah. very, very good. Yeah, yeah.
0: Go on. What's your,
1: what's your, um, what's your year?
0: So, other than um, Savage Worlds, the game I played the most of this year mm. is uh, Dragon Quest. So oh, we right. did a, yeah. a couple of podcasts about it earlier in the year. And I've enjoyed going back to uh, Dragon Quest. I've been playing. I, I thought I was signing up for a one-shot uh, back <laughs> in uh, August of last year uh, with Colin Spears, but I'm part of a group now. I'm part of a group that every fortnight meets on a Thursday playing uh, Dragon Quest. And uh, what Colin's been doing is revisiting some of the old adventures that appeared in White Dwarf and elsewhere. And we actually did a really we played it really in the, I've never done it before. But we didn't play it in AD&D. We actually did it um, using the Dragon Quest uh, rules. And um, I've enjoyed uh, doing that. And Because it's got a bit of a nostalgic tint uh, t- to it. I think what I've enjoyed the most about it... Is playing with a different group of players... At a different pace that I'm used to. Yeah. Because you know, normally when we get together online... It is like, let's go for it.
1: Yeah, we're well, quite pacey, you aren't know, we? We kind of get get through it, like, quite sort of like a movie, or, like cinematically. Cut to yeah. this, cut to that, right? Let's make it interesting. Yeah, do let's this, mo- do that. Yeah, bang,
0: let's, bang, bang. Yeah. Let's move it, move it along. Yeah. And this is a much more calmer pace, it's a much more um, deliberate pace where this is a group of. Um, people who, I mean I'm an outsider almost, but the people who play together at university or they've met each other, friends of uh, Colin, and you know, there's like little interjections of uh, Monty Python sketches and uh, in-jokes that they're sharing and they'll take a break to relate an anecdote and that is very different from, that. that's the kind of game that you would play around a table with friends but you wouldn't do online, so... I've enjoyed that experience. Um, but also the old school experience of um, things like gathering up your uh, arrows and <laughs> being very concerned about the rate of fire of a weapon. And mm. actually, what do, going back to what we were saying to before, what do the rules actually say about yeah. this? How do the rules actually work? A fascinating experience um, to be part of that group.
1: Mm yeah it's inter- it, it was interesting that isn't it the different styles of play because you know we we've been run- I've been running some old school essentials and that has things like ammo and torch how long the torch lasts but there's <laughs> a bit of it I was tempted to kind of wave, hand wave it away I can't, be yeah. with it. I can't be bothered with that you know can't be bothered with it
0: Again, you've really tried to stick to the letter of uh, old school essentials, haven't you? I've
1: oh, tried to the letter of old school essentials. I've stuck to the letter of the scenario as well. You, you oh, know, I've, I've, it's like a dungeon crawl. I've stuck to the scenario and it's kind of interesting to do it as, as written,
0: straight, so you You're dying. We, we've not encountered a wandering monster yet, have we? No,
1: no keep wanting. I keep wanting to roll a one or a two on the DC. You never do. Yeah, I've avoided this yeah, no um, wandering idea. monster. Some of them are not that exciting either. If you do encounter one, it'll be like a, I don't know, like a mushroom or something. A magical mushroom pops out of a wall. I think one of them is. That's our little will
0: I find playing old school essentials and um, I- playing the I'm playing the magic use of the wizard. Mm. It, it's at the same time kind of wonderful, great, nostalgic, and I'm enjoying it, but also incredibly frustrating. <laughs> and the reason I find it frustrating. It, I'm enjoying it. Don't don't, don't get me wrong. But I'm frustrated because I do feel like it is something I've got to beat. It's It's almost like a it's puzzle. adversarial quality to it. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. I think, like you said, it's not necessarily me as a games master that's been adversarial, but the dungeon because it's uh, we're doing the incandescent grottos, aren't we? Yeah. Which is one of the um, one of the kind of, one of the kickstart things, um, and it's it, it's fair to say it's a I suppose it's a mega dungeon. Um, of sorts it's got big it's a big dungeon it's not your five room dungeon it's none of that nonsense it's a proper dungeon as it yeah if you go this way you go that way different things will happen to you um but yeah it does it does have that quality where it's if you put a foot wrong you could be dissolved in acid yeah yeah, yeah there were yeah. Bit, there are bits like where you've got to be very very cautious you do have to prod the floor with your 10 foot pole and do that kind of thing. I like think you said it's not me as a games master being adversarial. It's the scenario, the dungeon is your yeah. enemy. As people said the map is your enemy. The dungeon is your enemy, isn't it? This is a dangerous place and it's not going to give you any kind of quarter. If you open that door with a trap on it,
0: it doesn't suit me as a player. It doesn't no. Suit me as a player. <laughs> I've got... Lo- <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's only I've,
1: a matter of time, isn't it?
0: <laughs> I've got a low impulse control. I think the first...
1: I remember you, you used your sleep spell in the first ten minutes and everyone was very cross at you. <laughs> well, what have you done that for? We yeah. might need that. You idiot.
0: <laughs> but there were cold balls and I wanted to... No, you... I them. Eat, them. Murdered
1: yeah. them in the sleep. Yeah.
0: So let's see, let's see what's in the uh, envelope. Okay. And uh, the winner is vason right. Yeah. Quite right. It's been yeah. one of my favourites this yeah. year. Good you run a good game of that. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Good stuff. Right. Let's just have a, a break uh, and refresh our glasses. Believe it or not, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're actually going back to the 90s. The beer is so poor in here, we're actually drinking Stella Artois. It's not bad. Stella Artois. Stella Artois.
1: podcast is brought to you today by Stella Artois. Reassuringly
0: expensive it's not that expensive in bold (laughs) three quid a (laughs) pint
3: hi it's paul Michener here for the first last and everything and i know that i'm sure some of you would have been very disappointed if there wasn't at least a tiny bit of ukulele so anyway, I'm Paul Michener, I'm known as the Tweedmeister on Twitter, Dr Mitch on various forums, and you might know me as the creator of Liminal, and the proprietor of the virtual pub, the Mitchester Arms. Okay, so first, last and everything, let us begin with the first. So like very many people, my first was d specifically the d actually basic and expert boxed sets, which I bought at school around the age of 13, 14, after saving my pocket money and buying them from someone actually also called Paul in the year above me. And this older kid... It soon transpired, wanted me to DM a game. So, yes, I was a DM before I was a player. So, this drew me in. I mean, I knew the fighting fantasy game books. Maybe that's a real first. So, quite rapidly, I went through the choose-your-own-adventure type things. Got some sort of hang of this. And then created my own thing, which was a wilderness trek Across a desert full of undead in this desert, there was also a stream uh, carrying water which paralyzed anyone who accidentally dipped in as a nice puzzle for the players and for some reason, in the middle of nowhere in this desert, there was a magic item shop and of course a mage selling magic items. so the players. Naturally enough, going through this, quite quickly uh, weaponized the stream. You know, they bottled this paralysis water, used it to knock out the mage and rob his shop. This first session ended with the players, well, in a bit of a panic because... The mage recovered from his paralysis and came after them and caught them all in a web. And that's that was a great finale. I remember everyone at school passing around notes saying, how do we get out of this? The sad thing is I don't quite remember how they got out of this. So I DM'd before playing and at one stage i thought i might end up a forever dm since the first dm who started playing started, took over sort of got sacked by group consensus of the players when his game he looked through the monster manual after we generated characters said oh you're attacked by a giant bat which might have been one of the first entries in the monster in the monster in the monster book Rolled a d20 and said. Oh I rolled 14. Do I hit? So. (laughs) Fortunately. Things got a lot better. Maybe even my stories got better as DM. And yes I did get to play a lot as well as DM. And eventually moved on. With other games. Okay so that was. My first. I'm not ashamed of it. Then there's. The last. So. It's funny, actually, how I've come back, sort of, more or less in the second half of this year, to a lot of, I suppose, new takes on older games. So, my last, it could have been Open Quest, or Curse of Strahd for Dungeons & Dragons, or RuneQuest Glorantha. But as it turns out, it is Warhammer fantasy roleplay. So, I am currently running The Enemy Within. It's not a game, actually, I played back in the day, but I'm absolutely loving it now. So, to give a bit of a flavour of this game, let me talk about the player characters. Yes, let me tell you about my character, except it's other people's characters. So, that's perfectly decent. So, I mean, one character is essentially Barbara Windsor as a dwarf another character is i suppose he says he's a trapper but i've got it in my head as poacher poacher and gambler who's now turned into a pretend noble there's a wizard who likes fire just a little bit too much there's a naive do-gooder knight and who doesn't really know why she fits in with this party and finally there's an occasionally vicious kleptomaniac halfling so one session really captures I think how I'm feeling about Warhammer and that sort of experience where the group were in Altdorf they had some sort of mission involving rescuing a kidnapped young lady who was held prisoner by a noble Two of the group were sort of doing some reconnaissance, actually talking to people, trying to solve this problem. The other three went to the halfling quarter on what turned out to be an all-day bender. Where they were high, they were drunk, they got lost, there was an attempted mugging that turned into murder, they ran away from the watch. Yeah, so that's that's the Warhammer experience. Okay, everything is an interesting one, because I, I didn't think that I'd be saying this. So, it's my everything actually is Call of Cthulhu. So, it's one of those things where, you know, early on when I played it, I absolutely adored it. It was this wonderful and actually horrific game deep and this play style of i suppose investigation which is almost very true to role basically pure role playing with you know some other bits whether it's action or horror that really is my default play style i mean it's there in warhammer for example So, Call of Cthulhu, I mean, sometimes I think, okay, this take on horror, it's cliched, it's boring, and I do get bored with it and stop for a few years, but I do always return. And when I return, I find there's some brilliantly fresh takes on everything. So, at the moment, for example, there's some wonderful things for, okay, both Call of Cthulhu, you know, in different settings, for example, in Berlin or in Harlem. And Trail of Cthulhu, you know, which I think of as a sister game, really. Again, there's some absolutely brilliant stuff out there. And then, of course, there's also Delta Green, this sort of almost scientific take on the mythos. And that's something else, again, that really inspires me. So there's some, again, this type of reinvention fresh takes on it playing with the whole thing that really does keep bringing me back to it and again it's on pause but it's resuming in the new year and that's something I'm really looking forward to I'm playing through the eternal lies campaign which is brilliantly atmospheric you know we've just I mean the last sort of block of sessions we finished dealing with los angeles which was just so horribly and wonderfully seedy so this is all great stuff you know i love it okay so that's just focusing on one thing it's not the only thing but that's the point of the everything game right i've got to say just one thing okay i've rambled on for nearly 10 whole minutes so i think that's enough for me so back to the main part of the podcast, but thank you very much for listening.
0: So uh, the next uh, um, area that we're going to look at is the Captain Birdseye Fish Finger Award, oh, that, and uh, no. this we won't go into the fish finger thing here because no, no,
1: if you don't know now, you never will.
0: No, and so what this is is all the things that we would like to stop in yeah. 2022.
1: We're limiting to... ourselves to gaming, <laughs> yeah, as yeah. opposed to
0: well, let's start. Well, let's start because the first one isn't it. It's gaming adjacent, but it's uh, it's Blythe's curse. Blythe's oh, curse. Man, what a oh!
1: This was what have you done? What have you done to be cursed? I don't know. Give you the background. We had. Where I live, we had a spate of short-lived power cuts. Right, short-lived power cuts, and I rang the people up. Who? This part of the problem. This isn't a gaming issue. This is who's in charge of electricity
0: now. I've (laughs) no idea. I say, like, who's in charge of it? I'd say in, in, in this country, it's probably the French. Probably
1: in charge. Well, uh, yeah, he wasn't French. The guy French, I ran. French
0: taxpayers actually possibly. Yeah, but
1: anyway, <laughs> I, I don't know who's in charge of our electricity. But anyway, I rang up the people in charge, Northern Power, whoever it, whoever it is. You're you making it up now. Right? Well, I feel like I am because I don't know. It, it
0: might change hands. It could is, change is hands all the time. No, they've gone.
1: There you they, go. There you go. Margaret Thatcher privatizing uh, public utilities makes <laughs> makes things better for the consumer. I think not. Yes, I ain't not anyway. I rang up the people and I, I said, I "Keep getting these power cuts," and they said, "Oh yeah, don't worry. Um, we can't. There's a, There'll be a fracture, right? There'll be a fracture in the power cable near your house, and every so often, this fracture interrupts the power supply, and it will come back on. It will come back on eventually. It's only going to be short-lived. Don't worry. But because it's just a fracture." We cannot detect, we cannot detect where it is. These were his words, don't worry, because at some point, it will blow, and you'll have no power at all, and that point, we'll be able to detect it. Great, fantastic. (laughs) So at some point, the damn thing's going to go, and we're like, off the grid for, for hours, days, but... The good singers, they'll be able to detect it. Every cloud, like it. Every cloud. Now, when do you think... When do, This is where it comes <laughs> to gaming. When do you think it blew? I tell you. Before you answer, I tell you. <laughs> about, about an hour into my Grog game online in April. Yeah. Old School Essentials, set in the Midlands, Power cut.
0: So how did, did you get around it then? So well, what I did, I tethered... The, I, he, he, uh, the sensible thing would just be to cancel it. be <laughs> <it. laughs> the
1: sensible thing?
0: <laughs> I didn't do that
1: because I'm not sensible. But <laughs> well, what I did, I, well, I, I, the thing is, I felt I felt an obligation on the players. I felt I felt really bad because I thought, oh God, the power's gone. But of course, at this point, I'm thinking it'll come back on in ten minutes. Yeah, because it's just a fracture, and it's just this fracture. I didn't know it had blown. I didn't yeah. know it had completely bloody gone, so I tethered it through my phone, and that was creaky, but sort of worked. But it did it did spoil it because I was constantly. Because of course the thing is, the power didn't come back on. You know, it went on hour to battery life. Your battery's going. The battery yeah. on the laptop's going. The battery going. had a break. But this is the irony: we had a break. It came back on during the break and I plugged back in and I said to everyone great news it's come back on and it went back off oh god oh. it was awful. so at that
0: point you postponed it
1: no you, no, no, no I carried no, on no. I managed to get through it I managed to get through the uh, OSE Old School Essentials Midlands game I managed to get through the game I was running and then in the afternoon I was due to play uh, Cthulhu Dark Ages um, James Holloway one of the writers fantastic Power came back on. Came back on. Brilliant, that's great. Brilliant. Came back on. So it wasn't the fracture? Well, we'll see. <laughs> I came back on. And I joined James's game. Great setup. Middle ages, set in the Middle East in the Middle Ages. From great setup, I really enjoy this. And I said to everyone, now I must warn you, the power here has been a bit iffy. It might go off again. And almost as the as I said that, it went off again. I just said to James, sorry, I'm going to have to quit. I I, I don't think it's fair on the other players. Because, of course, when you tether it through your phone, sometimes it's just not as good. The internet connection was a bit ropey. So I just quit in the end. But what a day. What
0: a day. So how close was this to you cancelling a game because your house was flooded? Oh, there was that as well, wasn't there? When we were playing Versa (laughs) and I had to cancel a game because... The
1: house, yeah, a pipe burst in the house. That was the other curse, wasn't it? I went into the kitchen and there was there was water pouring, hot water pouring out from under the sink. And yeah, there's this. this is is this a role playing podcast or a plumbing podcast? <laughs> so I can put it's like a DIY podcast. Power cuts. So and now the, the flexi pipe underneath yeah. had corroded, right? It got burst. And there was hot water, it was a hot water pipe coming out, so the boiler was on, hot water coming out, all over the kitchen floor, and I had to turn the hot water off, like a, like an idiot I didn't think to turn turn the electricity off, or turn the you know, I, I, got, I had to get under the thing in hot water to try and turn the damn thing off oh what a nightmare and I had to get a plumber
0: and then there's the locust, when did the locust come, <laughs> the plague of frogs <laughs> well, we won't talk about that But to be fair, the the electricity was was a real...
1: That was a real nightmare. And also, it made you realise how how fragile online gaming is. You know, if you lose your internet or you lose your electricity, you are genuinely screwed. (laughs) It was awful. And and you know what is strange about it? The sense of guilt, particularly. I felt a bit guilty in James's game because I had to bail out. You know, as if... I wanted to reassure him. I really think your scenario sounds great. I'm really looking forward to this. It's not you, it's me. You know, it's my, it's my electricity supply. I'm not making this up. You know, the sense of guilt as a player, yeah. but also the, the overwhelming guilt as game master. My job is to entertain you for a morning, and I can't because my electricity's gone, and that somehow is a failing on my part. But there you go.
0: Okay. Next thing that's going to be nominated for the Fish Finger Award, yeah. Captain Burnside Fish Finger Award, is Stars and Wishes. Stars and Wishes. You know what Stars and Wishes are? That sounds like a talent
1: show on ITV. <laughs> Stars and Wishes. Simon Cowell's new new invention.
0: This is a thing I've heard a lot of over the last year on podcasts, but also. I've heard it debated in, mm. you know, when we've gone on conventions. It's been great to go to conventions. People talking about this idea of turning to your players, yeah, and saying, "Okay, what are the stars of this session, mm. and what are your wishes?" Okay. And the idea is to get feedback. So, what did you like about it, and what would you like to see more of? Okay. Now, to me. It's one of those things. To <laughs> You as a megalomaniac. Me as a
1: megalomaniac. You're not going to ask anybody. <laughs> You'll get what you're given.
0: <laughs> get what you're given. You'll are given you like it. Yes. You can have any colour as long as it's black. Yeah. Know, that, kind of, that kind of approach. I, I don't know though. Is it part of that insidious thing that kind mm. of happens where management speak infiltrates
1: yeah. mm.
0: gaming? Because there's a lot of... Said this before, haven't we? Like middle managers, um, tend to do quite well in role playing because there's a kind of a crossover of skills, isn't there? Facilitating a, a yeah. table full of people um, is very similar to work life in in a lot of cases. Yeah, if you but have a
1: certain, I you have a certain walk of certain walk of life or a certain job, then games mastering is, is easier. If if you're someone who Teaches or trains or facilitates meetings. When, when, there's, when a, there's an overlap, yeah. But but with that comes the danger that the the work speak of those things will filter into role playing
0: games. When you well. go into when you go into a adequate hotel mm. like a, a premier lodge or something like that, so travel tavern, travel so tavern, yeah. One of these places you go yeah. in there, yeah. And they ask you, "What's your stars? What's your wishes?" Because they always do it, don't they? Do, they? do you fill it in? They leave a little card, don't no. you? You don't fill it in. Do you? No, no, I never fill it in. Why would you fill it in this part of the game? <laughs> if I, if I, if I turned <laughs> turn to you yeah. and said, "Blither, I would like you to complete my little scorecard to say what you stand, what you wishes, Why would you do it? Do you think? Would you see any benefit in turning to your players and saying, "Thank you"? It seems really artificial for me. It gives. I, I can understand why people do it because it gives a framework. To say, right, just tell me what you liked about it and what you'd like to see more of. So it's, it's asking the Games Master to provide you with something that maybe
1: the Games Master wouldn't necessarily think to provide, or dare we say it wouldn't want to?
0: Let's take an example. So last year, and I talked about it this time uh, last year when we were looking at Eberron. So I run uh, a Five E game mm. in uh, Eberron, and um, when I got Eberron, first of all, I was really struck by the uh, the mm. game world, and uh, really really got f- went, went in for it. We did it at uh, the same group who did uh, Two Headed Serpent, and we had a, a, a Session Zero, and I did that Session Zero by the book. I asked for stars and wishes. Yeah, I asked for the players to write, what do you want from this? We've got this setting what are the things that you kind of want and as players there was like a unanimous thing, well we've had a very, a content hopping campaign let's settle into an area we'll stay in Sharn which is the big city that's there and we'll explore that area and we'll we'll stick it in there I quite like the idea of doing like a bit of thievery and with a bit of you know, setting ourselves up as a gang within this uh, the, 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 this city, and I thought, yeah, yeah, okay, we can make that make that work, make that accommodate, accommodate that. However, as the campaign progressed, I began to realise that all the enthusiasm I had about the setting yeah. was very hard to bring out when you were located in one place. So setting it in Sean, and you had your hideout and you were a set of yeah. criminals, up-and-coming criminals, and you were interacting with the world and there was this conspiracy unfurling around you. And it's fair to say that we had some good sessions and the, uh, but some of them were not as good as the parts. Is that uh, well, I think
1: it's... Yeah, I suppose it's the interesting question, isn't it, that if you ask for Stars and Wishes... I mean, maybe it's on the maybe it's more on the wishes than the stars Are you asking the Games Master to provide something, the Games Master doesn't feel that confident providing? That's yeah. the issue, isn't it? So if you say, I'd like more of this, this and this and as a games master you think, Oh right, oh, well, that's not really my bag. I don't really don't know that yeah. confident about doing that kind of thing. Because that's one of the issues, isn't it? That, like say with the Eberron campaign, we we say oh we'd like this and you go okay but that's not quite how I was imagining So I'll try and provide what you would like yeah. but it's not quite my thing you know a bit yeah. like going to a pizza pizza parlor asking for a for a sweet and sour you know they're going to go well we, we could do but we don't want really to do that yet it's a similar
2: yeah that yeah. feeling
1: of that. that is one of the problems isn't it that, that once you push back on a games master maybe the games master isn't isn't that that's not their thing.
0: Yeah. It's
1: and, very and, difficult difficult, and, isn't it?
0: And I think, you know, maybe I should have made more of saying, well, really, to explore this world and get the best out of this world, really what we should do is every session be in a different location. Yeah. Whereas we're in the same location. And as I said previously that it's set in the world of D and D, so everything that's in D and D, so it's very difficult to draw out what is unique about everyone within yeah. one place. And I
1: suppose it, it goes back
0: to it goes back to
1: um, what you were saying about um, Clarky's Tenerife game. But Clarky's Tenerife game, from what you told me about it, involves certain detail about weapons and certain detail about certain things. That's what he does. And that's what he does well. Once a player starts to say, oh, I don't want any of that, I want this, I want that, I want something else, maybe the games master would think, that's not, really what, that's not really what this game's about. Yeah,
0: it's not what he signed up for. That's not what he
1: signed up for. That is the thing, isn't it? I suppose what it raises is the issue of, does the games master say, this is my game, and this is the kind of game it is, and this is what you'll be doing in it, and this is the style of it. And if you don't like that, that's fine, but don't play it. As opposed to, the players going we would like the game to be more like this this, this and this yeah. and the games must have I knew oh, well, eventually that's not really
0: what I, I knew eventually you would sign up to the idea of megalomania
1: because I am a megalomania <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think it's, it's inter- it is interesting isn't it yeah I'm doing that. There's, there's a certain I can see the appeal of it where you know it is about as someone who you know I play therefore as a player it's it is interesting it is good to be asked, what do you want out of it? You know, it is yeah. good, isn't it? Because that's kind of open, democratic and collaborative and those kind of things. But I can equally see where it might create a problem because the games master wants to do a particular game. So it's... it's going back to our Old School Essentials game, what I'm running at Old School Essentials game is an Old School dungeon.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm running an Old School dungeon as written. Yeah. So there might be all sorts of things in there. If, if someone said... Oh, well, I, I like it to be more story
0: based,
1: more. But that's not what it is. That's not what it is. Yeah. So then you're left with the problem of going, do I try and accommodate the player and provide something that's going to be quite difficult to provide with this game, with this scenario? Or do I say no? But that sounds bad. It sounds bad saying no, doesn't it? It sounds bad yeah. saying that it's not a kind of game.
0: Yeah. On the other hand, uh, I was going to say that uh, after a one-shot that I did of Kong uh, Planet of the Apes, I did ask the players for Stars and Wishes, and they gave me some very good feedback on how I could tweak it for the next sample. So I can see the benefits of it. but I, think
1: benefit, I can see the benefits to it. But I suppose, I, I suppose
0: what on. I object to is the pernicious infiltration of middle management speech yeah, yeah, yeah. into yeah the world yeah. of gaming because I'd yeah. like to have a separation between
1: yeah I, I'm with you on that I, I know what you mean it's not the principle of asking players what they want but once you start to inv- invoke management speak
0: and, and, and it g- suggest <laughs> yeah, it as yeah. like a structured way of facilitating yeah. the table, you start thinking yeah 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 but that's work that's yeah wanna- you, you've
1: brought part of my job into gaming <laughs> you know, I like to keep it separate yeah, yeah leave yeah. it out yeah
0: yeah yeah Okay, let's have a look at the gold envelope.
1: It's not power cuts, so I'll be livid. I'll write another letter of complaint.
0: I'm sorry, it's uh, stars and wishes and the penitence. No, oh, it's not. The curse no. continues. It, it, be, conti- it, it continues. It continues. Power cuts. It continues. Power cuts. The next uh, category is the new kid on the top. The tabletop, the new kid on the top, the tabletop. <laughs> so what would you like to uh, nominate for this? Well,
1: the game we played this year that we've not played before is Aegon. We played Aegon, didn't we? So uh, like kind of Odysseus, like kind of Greek, classic, classical Greeks kind of thing where you um, travel around islands <laughs> sorting various problems out. Ran it a few times and I did enjoy running it and people seem to enjoy playing it. But an interesting game because to to hark back to Vesen, whilst Vesen and the free league games have a bit of structure to them, this has a lot of structure to it. So it's by John Harper, so it's by kind of Blades in the Dark guy, isn't it? Yeah. And it has quite a lot of structure to it, uh, and the different cycles of play and that kind of thing. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm I feel undecided about it because when we played it. um Martin Cookson played it and Martin made a point that although he enjoyed it, it it can it can very quickly feel like just like a kind of strange dice game rather than role playing game. Yeah. So it strips out things like armour and weapons don't really matter, you know, and that kind of thing. It's it's very kind of narrative. But equally it's very structured and very I don't want to say board game. That, that seems that seems like a bad thing to say. When
0: I played it, it reminded me of way back when when we played On Guard, which yes. was Yay, very Garde, sim- yeah. similar, wasn't it? Which yeah. was a role-playing game by uh, Games Designers Workshop that was very seasonal, and mm. you played in uh, you know, like the, yeah. the busketeer uh, yeah. environment, didn't you? But it was similar, wasn't it, that you yeah. actually resolve things through... Yeah dice rolls and expending uh, oh. resources and that kind of thing it's, yeah but it, it, and it, it does
1: it does work and in some ways I'd say it's very good it felt
0: peculiar
1: as a role play.
0: I loved it I loved mm. it I have to say I, I get that uh, kind of interpretation of it being a yeah. dice roll but I loved it I can't imagine any other game that's able to replicate the mythic experience of yeah. being part of that yeah. world of myth
1: Yeah, it does replicate that very, very well, that kind of... um,
0: Influence of the gods. And I suppose
1: that's something that we never really explored with it, because we did it as one-shots, but I suppose over as a campaign, it would be interesting, because at the start of the game, the gods give you these prophecies or these visions, and they're often conflicting, aren't they? So, Poseidon might want one thing, and Athena might want another, and... Apollo yeah. or whoever might want Zeus might want another Apollo, Zeus might want another um, and of course the thing is if you've pleased Poseidon twice before and you need that constellation you might be tempted to do what he wants in the scenario to please him because that's going to get you home and we suppose we never really explored that um, because say we didn't do it as a campaign Which may, maybe, next, maybe next year Maybe that's the I thing. I would love it next I year. Maybe it, may be, it should be to. a yeah, a little campaign next year to explore yeah. that side of the game, which we, we didn't didn't really explore. Um, and I tell you what else is good about it because I because I ran, I've not played it. I ran it. I ran it three or four times. It does have that um, pick up and play quality to it.
0: Yeah.
1: In yeah. that, as a games master, you don't have to do very much to come up with a scenario. Yeah. The scenarios in the, in the rulebook, there's quite a lot of little scenarios in, and they're all quite brief and quite vague. And what you find is that players, when they engage with it, a story starts to develop, yeah. which for me is quite unusual because I'm kind of games master who writes everything down, pins everything down, yeah. and knows what's going to happen. And I did find that the Aegon game, it, it, developed, it, had, it had its own momentum to it, and I thought, yeah. it's kind of very low prep. And I suppose that the thing is. As Martin said, and I, I know where it's coming from and I uh, kind of agree with him in some, to some extent. Whilst it has that, quali- that sort of dice game quality to it, so it's slightly removed from traditional role-playing games, that dice game quality oddly
0: helps generate a story. Because in the version that we had, we uh, were confronted with giant Crabs mm. and we yes. constructed yeah. great big uh, yeah. lobster pots, didn't pots we, to catch to, them, to yeah. catch them yeah. in. Yeah.
1: Which in some games you wouldn't—that would be fraught with problems. But in Aegon it didn't. It, it was just we, like roll, call on the gods to help you. You know, yeah. That kind it, of it felt
0: and like a great montage scene from a, a, a Harryhausen yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah. We yeah. Hammering
1: like, together these lobster uh, pots to catch a
0: giant crab. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: so yeah. We, yeah. So no, it was. It was. I like, say it, it's an it's a peculiar game in some respects. But it, it does work in play.
0: At this point, we paused and got in another round of Stella Artois. When we returned to the discussion... One of the old ladies, probably off her bits on the pre-mixed Sex on the Beach, decided to put on Dean Martin and Helen O'Connell singing How do you like your eggs in the morning? It was too low to battle with, so here's a summary of what I said. I nominated Spire. City must fall as my new kid on the top, the tabletop. I played the game in late 2020 with Orlanth Rex. Steve Ray, but this year it was added to our repertoire of games. I ran the campaign that I played, on Sky, and Blythe did a one-shot. Spire is a high-concept, dark, urban fantasy setting where the drow play characters are resisting the oppression of the high elf, Elphia, in a mile-high city beautifully written, evocatively rendered sectors of the city with wild flights of surreal imagery create an atmosphere which is part Peaky Blinders, part Dennis Villeneuve, part Hieronymus Bosch. Although I ran the same campaign, Idol and Sky, the way that the campaign frames are written for the game meant that it went in different directions than the one that I'd experienced. Many of the campaigns are episodic heists, where the players are a member of the Ministry a secret band of freedom fighters make hits against their Elfia overlords. on Sky is different because it's an investigation into an horrific, prolific serial killer known as the Swan. The campaign frame provides a number of NPCs that can send player characters into different trails in pursuit of getting closer to the demonic source. It's very player-orientated. They drive what happens right at this point i nipped over to the door
1: it's a very different experience as a player to as a games master so i i played in your campaign and i thought it was great that it was a really easy system and it flowed very nicely and everything and then when i ran it i thought blind this is hard work because it has this system of resistances and without going into too much detail you know you you suffer damage sort of damage or stress and then you roll for fallout and fallout is kind of like consequences isn't it so things happen to you which are real are things in the game like in, the most easy ones are like blood blood stress means you know if you suffer fallout in blood in a fight you might break an arm or suffer some injury or something like that but then there's other things like silver and reputation and mind and that kind of thing um, but I found when I ran it it was you ex- just sort of suggested. It was exhausting. Because every time someone rolled you were thinking, right, if they suffer fallout, I need to think of something that's gonna to happen to them. And I've oh, it's not just there's fallout, there's different levels of fallout. So yeah. it's different you can roll for a different level of stress and then on the basis of the number of amount of stress you have, different levels of fallout. So it's not just thinking of one consequence, it's thinking of several depending on what might happened on that role yeah, yeah. and I I did find it as a games master hard work as a player it was a breeze as yeah. a player it was easy just oh yeah I'll do this I'll do that
0: I remember saying at the beginning of the uh, campaign that this isn't a game again. this is a game where you know you're meant to be on the front foot as players you're meant to push the action forward yeah. and uh, make things happen depending on your uh, characters I think where, the way you ran it you did it slightly differently didn't you you kind of went into the rules a little bit more different a a bit more fuller and uh, used the rules to try and shape the game I just don't think that the rules can bear the weight Mm. of uh, what it's trying to do I think it's one of those where you've just got to accept that actually most of it is going to be talky talky stuff yes and yes. the rules are just going to come in when yeah. you need to resolve I, something. I, I know what you mean, and it is,
1: it is a fantastic setting. It's very kind of inspiring, inspiring like that. Yeah, um, as a setting, you read it and it's full of ideas. And, and I think the, the authors of the game are really talented writers. Yeah, it's very it, very it's well. It's very written.
0: evocative, isn't it? Yeah, you know, you, you really read, well. You read written. in the different sectors yeah. of uh, yeah. stuff, and you're reading you this thing. This is brilliant But as a game.
1: The, the the mechanics of it, just. It's a very. I think you're right, it's a very talky game, it's a very story game where yeah. there should be perhaps less rolling than we're used to. Our, our instinct, or my instinct, is certainly to get people to roll for things. Yeah. But I don't think it's asking me to do that because I think the rolls require so much consideration in terms of fallout and consequence and that kind of thing. Yeah. That it reminded me a little bit of fate it adds, it's not the same system as yeah. fate it reminded me the same as the problems I had with fate that once you start building in consequences that you have to pluck out of, it does suggest some but yeah. there probably not enough suggestions there you have to pluck things out of thin air um, can be quite exhausting as a games master Yeah.
0: yeah and while it's incredibly inventive when it comes to the uh, mechanics sometimes it just feels like it's been thrown up on a flip chart and uh, with the hope that it works when sometimes I'm not sure whether they actually do in play so yeah. you're right some of the uh, fallout you kind of think yeah I can see where that's getting at you know there's reputation of damage and yeah. whatever uh, but how does that fit into this particular situation I've come up with it's like a, a, some of the uh, character traits or some of the advantages that people have. You just can't understand sometimes eh, they would be invoked because you can't imagine a circumstance where that would become relevant within play unless you kind of hand-waved it.
2: Yeah,
1: and in some ways it's the opposite of Aegon. The way that I read Aegon and thought, can't see, is going to work in play? Because it does work. Um, whereas Spire you, you read it and think yeah yeah this will work and then in play you think oh no it's quite it's quite yeah. tricky from a game but but very much tricky from a games master's perspective yes yeah it, it, From yeah. a play- uh, when I played it and this is what kind of hoodwinked me into running it when I played it and you were running it I thought oh this is this is fine this will be easy to run yeah. but, but it's not yeah. easy to run yeah. puts a lot of a lot of pressure on a games master to run it I think yeah that's the difference not yeah. all
0: games do that I enjoyed running it but could only do it in two ha- two hour yeah. bursts and every time I started it was a bit like uh, starting up a cold engine and yeah. then when people got into yeah. it they got into it but yeah. it took a bit. Look, to a get lot it going. a lot
1: of games whilst running a game is obviously different from playing it there feels like a kind of even spread of work where whilst I'm running this game, and it's different running it, it, it doesn't feel any harder than playing it. Yeah. Whereas with Spire, it did feel a lot harder play, running it than playing it a lot. Yeah. It's quite significant. But with all the games I've ever run, I thought, ooh, this is, you know, yeah, I'd probably true. put it in, in the same, I mean, Fate's a bit like that, but I'd probably put in the camp, this is hard, much, much harder to run than play yeah. that balance is very much tipped in favour of yeah as a player you just go ah yeah I'll do this I'll do that
2: yeah you know and of yeah.
1: course you roll and then you go well I've failed and I've got some stress and I've oh I've taken some fallout right Games Master what happens to me yeah and it's like oh right, okay that mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the spotlight's on you as a Games Master to come up with something
0: brilliant evocative setting um, I want to play more of it but probably not next year yeah yeah. Okay, let's uh, open up the envelope. And it's A gone is going to. That's a, a deserving a, winner. A deserving winner. I like Spire. I loved it. But yeah, definitely play more Agone next yeah. year. Yeah, okay. Uh, next one is actually the uh, Listener's Award. And it's the uh, Gruggy's Listener's Choice. Mm. So, uh, of all the podcasts that we produced last year, which do you think would be the favourite? Which was your favourite of the podcasts that we produced last year? Which um, one did you enjoy doing?
1: Oh, I don't know. It's, it's all... It all blows into one? It all blows into one,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which
1: one of <are> the best
0: <laughs> best jukebox in the background? Definitely not this one.
1: Not this one. Is <laughs> it? Is this all right? Man? Um, is this a, it's just like a guilty pleasure song, this, isn't it? <laughs> to be fair. A guilty pleasure, isn't it? People will be listening to this might quite well, I like that song, but I am not going to admit to it. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm going to tweet and say, it's a horrible song, but you really, you really like it. Yeah. Um, Doctor, is Doctor Who, the one we did on Doctor Who RPG, the most popular? That's got a big fan base. I'm big fan, fan base. Yeah, I'm thinking that might be the most popular.
0: Of all of them, that got the least votes. <laughs> <laughs> what do I know? Yeah, we enjoyed that one though, didn't we? Because it was the last it. one with Eddie. That one wasn't it? Yeah. He, when he was in a little had a bucket on his head and uh, yeah yeah. When to get Eddie back, for uh, <laughs> twenty twenty, don't we? Yeah. I enjoyed that one. I enjoyed talking about Doctor Who. Yeah, nobody, uh, I enjoyed. Nobody else it. listened. So nobody that's
1: else that's the story, man. That's like my house. <laughs> I like talking about
0: Doctor Who. No one else cares. You know, no one else cares. Oh. It's really a two-horse race between okay. uh, two podcasts. Um, what was uh, second place was actually our uh, Call of Cthulhu. We turned to Call of Cthulhu. with Lee yeah. Harding. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I would have said. That. I would have said that's a potential winner. The outright winner. Yeah. Um, some distance between the mm-hmm. second place. Mm-hmm. is fighting fantasy. Is the it? three episodes. Of didn't it? There yeah. you go. You know nothing. You know nothing.
1: Do I know nothing or do our listeners know nothing? <laughs> I, you know, fine answer. Mm. Yeah. Which
0: episode? All three? All three, yeah. All three? We just did three to it. You <laughs> bumped it up by that yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. That so that's our, our uh, winner for this, uh, this year. Thank you very much for everyone who voted for that. Finally we need to make some resolutions now looking back on the previous year's resolutions i made make the same resolution
1: to, I think not, to not buy any more games and then <laughs> immediately buy some more games
0: yeah <laughs> but it, would it not be better okay, for us to restrict to, to put a bit of time limit on it because inevitably we're going to buy new stuff yeah because you are going to get attracted to new stuff because already you're saying I'm going for this and I'm going to... and I know well, that I I've
1: signed... already we've yeah. signed up to Steve's game of Red Markets haven't we so I'm yeah. going so to buy Red Markets I'm going to buy that before Christmas to yeah. dodge to dodge
0: the um... yeah you do this every year you I know, I, a, do. I, know I do you have a pallet buy before the end of the year
1: so it doesn't count <laughs> like a smoker giving up smoking, <laughs> I used to smoke 400 fags before Christmas and then give up in January yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: maybe when when I've been out uh, this year we've had some face to face games with uh, uh, Doc Carey Mm. and um, what I've noticed Doc Carey is a medical man he's a a doctor he's a doctor (laughs) he's not
1: just a name we've given
0: him he is a doctor and (laughs) he does have a tremendous restraint when it comes to drinking beer so he has like a timetable of when he will drink it no, I'm not going to have another one before 9 o'clock. Now, to me, that is extraordinary impulse control. delay gratification. You lack. That I lack. You yeah. lack. And I aspire to. <laughs> and maybe that is exactly what we need for games. So yeah. you actually yeah. say, right, okay, within this quarter, I will buy one game. Mm-hmm. So over the next year, instead of saying I will buy no so games... January to March... There'll be, it'll be an event. You will buy one, and it'll be an event. Mm -hmm. Can you see that? Can you
1: sign up to that? Maybe. What about supplements? They are right. They're legit.
0: They're legit to a point, aren't they? Because Mm. it really isn't the point of this that you're only going to buy stuff that you bring to the table. Mm. So that vase and supplement that you bought is only going to have any relevance to me in my life. Yeah if it comes out of your yes. thing yeah. in, into, onto the table yeah, yeah, yeah. otherwise why buy it yeah
1: true Yeah.
0: so can you sign up
1: for it so are you saying within a quarter you can buy a game or a supplement
0: yeah alright yeah. yeah. yeah so it means that by the end of next year between the two of us we'll have bought eight new things Yes, yeah, and that
1: seems reasonable, doesn't it? Yeah, that seems okay, doesn't it? Yeah. All right, so, so I sign up so to that, that, that. Is, that. So rather than
0: saying no, I am not going to buy any new games yeah. or new stuff. Yeah, yeah. Cut, says, cut back,
1: not give
0: up. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to buy 400 games before Christmas, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm do that. <laughs> what we said was thematically um, this year we would look at TV and film tie-ins. And I was particularly interested at the time because of the Mandalorian looking at Star Wars, which I've not actually got renting. to. So I'm going to do that at some point this year, I think. But I think for this year, for the podcast, we should have a look at the 90s. Mm. So look at some of the things that we missed in the 90s. Yeah. Because you ever wonder, after 88, when we stopped playing, what happened after that That yeah. particular streak of period, you know, when the games were being played, but a very particular set of games, particular well, set of innovations. Well, yeah, it's well, always interesting is we...
1: I mean, we stopped playing regularly in 88, but our last game, of course, was 1992 before Deep Freeze. Yeah. It? yeah. But, but it's fair to say, by that point, although we were still playing, we... we Ignored everything that was going on. We played what we played, and we just ignored everything. Yes, yeah. simple as that.
0: So my resolution for next year is for us to look a little bit more detail. Yeah. At what? Um, what? Um, have a little bit more detail of what happened at that time in the nineties. Yeah. We sign up for that. Mm,
1: definitely. I'll have to won't I
0: it's
1: your podcast so if you're a sidekick I'll
0: I'll have to go along with it whether I like it or not I just think it'd be an interesting exploration I think it'd be good for us to do that and you know allow us to accommodate um, Savage Worlds wouldn't it because that's when that emerged yeah Yeah. okay
1: have you got any other resolutions I don't think so no No. I don't make I don't make resolutions I don't make resolutions generally because I just think well you know me I know I want to I genuinely want to ignore Christmas and New Year. They're terrible. It's a terrible time of year. And so I don't really make
0: resolutions. No. Because
1: you get these, you know, made around, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Yeah, you know, They don't, do that.
0: In this uh, episode, we've uh, had Dr. Mitch, Paul Mitch doing his first Last and everything. And last year, we awarded him a special award mm. for his role in creating a virtual, yeah, virtual pub, pub. Yeah, virtual yeah. Virtual mm. creating a community. This year, I'm going to put forward to honour a soccer Of course. For Alba. For
1: Alba. Yeah, special award, definitely. Yeah. Lifetime Achievement Award. A lifetime Achievement Award, yeah. Definitely. Because that, that was the first convention after yeah. lockdown, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Was it the first. I mean, we. I, I'm thinking it was the first convention we went to, it was the first convention we were involved in. Was it the first convention?
0: I think. Uh, Could have been. Expo, yeah. It was Expo, wasn't it? But it was very muted and yeah. uh, low key. I just think. It took a bit of courage to be the canary in the coal mine to uh, go down. No, I
1: did. I I thought, uh, yeah, I think you're right. He's quite brave to actually be the first one out to think, right, I'm going to organise a convention. Because, like you say, the expo thing slight, maybe slightly different. Yeah, yeah, a, a regular convention where, really, what are you doing? Is getting together and playing games around the table in a room, yeah. in a big room. That's what you're doing.
0: Um, so, so I think to accommodate the provisions that were required yeah. to make sure that people could play face to face, to make sure everybody was safe. Being a very genial host in
1: and samosas,
0: and samosas. Well, I think
1: we're beaten with the pizzas at Grogman?
0: I'd like to think so. I mean, the I, only, the only. Thing I think, I think what, what you
1: know maybe they weren't as nice as the samosas but it certainly made up for in quantity <laughs> it's it like never ending pizzas <laughs> it was like someone had cast the create food and water spell who's created the create pizza spell Yeah, it was an endless supply It's so you not. Know I did I went I went I had some pizza I walked back to my hotel to yep. drop some stuff off came back to Fanboy and as I came back to Fanboy there's a man delivering more pizza <laughs>
0: there was a lot of pizza but you can't beat the samosas no, uh, I can't. don't think you can beat the Leamington Spa welcome uh, no. and just for being that glint of light after yeah. a yeah, period definitely. of darkness He's very brave it was, it
1: was It was much easier for us to follow with grog meat after Albert yeah. it felt like it, if it wasn't for Albert it wouldn't have felt like grog meat was doable
0: so think, a circus yeah. you get a special recommendation yeah. and commendation. Commendation
1: for I mean, the yeah the groggies and the yeah. groggies. <laughs> yeah,
0: Okay, <laughs> and I think that's it, isn't it? So for another year, let's uh toast twenty twenty two.
1: Yeah, here's twenty twenty two. <laughs> more.
0: Uh, let's hope that cut again. If you're listening to this on the day that it drops, the 27th of December 2021, you can join us online at 9pm GMT for Has He Been? where you can show off your Christmas gaming haul to fellow Grog Squad members. It's an offshoot of the book club, which meets on the first Sunday of the month. It's probably my favourite thing to come out of this year. I've enjoyed participating in the discussions. During 2021, I've made a number of guest appearances on various podcasts, and I'm always grateful to appear. I've been on All Anthrax's Gaming Vexes, Frankenstein's RPG a couple of times, What Would the Smart Party Do?, talking about 90s magazines, Breakfast in Ruins, looking at Moorcock's Wizardry and Wild Romance, Fictoplasm about Quorum, and the good friends of Jackson Elias about gangsters in Call of Cthulhu, and the terrific Takashi Miki film Gozu. And there are some others. I'll put a link to them in the show notes. I'm looking forward to more podcasts in 2022 and finally publishing the next zine. Thanks for listening and being part of 2021. It's meant a lot to me. Producing this bobbins every month during the past year has given me focus, knowing that people listen. Please try to pass it on to people that you think will be interested. We have a Patreon campaign, and thanks to all of those who support us by throwing a few coins in the beret, it keeps this thing of ours going and pays for the associated costs, funds new projects and material for future episodes. We have some comings and goings over the past couple of months and I'll call out new supporters next time. But until then, thank you. I'm looking forward to the next one. Find your brown derby, load up your Tommy gun and get ready for a rumpus. Yes, it'll be dropping in January 2022. I hope to see you then. Adios, amigos.